Okay, it's my great pleasure to have on the line with me, Michelle Bowens. He is Peter Peer theorist, very active writer, speaker, and founder of the Peer to Peer Foundation. Thanks heaps for joining me. With pleasure. To start off with, we can't um, can't go past. Obviously, we are officially in the Trump era. It's uh, caused some very tangible, very real fears that th- all that means as far as the rise of the far right, uh, you know, greater wealth inequality and what it means for climate change. It's all very scary stuff. My question for you is, with this, uh, all these very tangible fears, what's what kind of tangible hope can you suggest right. is out there as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the emergent uh, peer-to-peer movement? Well, you know, I... I would say that um, you know, as we face a systemic crisis, and as as that crisis becomes more obvious, also politically, like with Trump, that it also at the same time stimulates counter reactions. Mm. So the kind of silver lining, and of course, you know, I realize it's a dangerous thing to say uh, because you can never wish it. But one of the silver linings is that a lot of people who would have stayed asleep had uh, Hillary won. Uh, have awoken and uh, certainly you know in my kind of activism this is very palpable Um, so all the things that we are talking about in the P2P foundation you know like a commons oriented uh, solutions these things are getting more interest more people are getting involved and it you know it's to be honest it predates Trump there is a, a number of studies one in the Netherlands one in Belgium that show a tenfold increase in civic initiatives over the last 10 years. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So, you know, even before this latest wake-up call, I think a lot of people were already active. Um, and the, the, you know, the way I think about this is that what Trump shows is that there is no obvious solution within the system. Mm. So it's not just a question of, you know, let's move back to Keynesianism or to any other classic solution. It's more about thinking, you know, the system seems to have reached ecological and social limits and we need to reconstruct something new. And that's what we are engaged in. So you mentioned there the no obvious solutions and, you know, who do you see and well, who are emerging, I guess, as the the biggest allies in this movement to a post-capitalist world or to, you know, peer-to-peer, commons-orientated world. Are they the traditional left? Do you see, how much are you engaging with, I guess, the traditional left and how much do you see just, you know, those less burdened by, you know, those ideologies, uh, shall we say? Yeah, I I think what what you seem to suggest, suggesting is actually what is happening. So we have, you know, kind of, two main reactions and the problem is perhaps that they're not connecting to each other yet. Hmm. So the first one I would say is just resistance. It's, you know, of course, very important when rights are attacked, when welfare systems are dismantled, that there is resistance. It's absolutely necessary, but you can't just be against something. And so there's another side to it, which is, you know, construction, constructing alternatives Hmm. uh, with a new value logic. And I think one of the issues we have, and this is one of the reasons we have political crisis, I think, is that there is no connection yet between the people who work on this new logic and the people who work within the system politically. Uh, Especially the traditional left has been 
you know, formed ideologically, mentally, you know, in terms of its kind of uh, deep mentality in, in the, um, the contradictions of the industrial system. Um, and so they're into this thinking of the market versus state duopoly. And, you know, it's kind of the lib lab, uh, you know, this pendulum from deregulation to re-regulation uh, it's been going on for 200 years and I think the issue is that it doesn't work anymore that and so Trumpism but also you know left populism like Syriza and Podemos are attempts to go back to the nation-state and to strengthen the nation-state vis-a-vis you know global capital hmm. and they want to do different things with it but that's what what binds those two different reactions and this is something which has worked pretty much for 200 years, but I would argue that today, you know, capitalism is so strong globally that any reaction that that is bound to the nation state is, is not going to work. Um, so it's, it's not going to be able to balance, again, you know, this kind of equilibrium between capital, the forces of capital, the forces of the state, and the forces of the nation, right? And I don't know if you're familiar with Polanyi, called Polanyi, the Great Transformation. You know, he would describe how every 30 years or so, you know, the pendulum would switch again because the the popular forces would, you know, become politically active and then force the state to rediscipline the market. Yeah. And then you know, and then over 30 years, uh, the situation would change again. And I I'm convinced that this is no longer working. So we need now to work on translocal, transglobal structures. It doesn't mean we have we we have to ignore this, the the nation level because we can't. You know, still a lot of things are determined that way, but we can't stay there. We we, we have to build global communities. So, for example, you know, global productive communities where people mutualize their knowledge, like WikiHouse and WikiSpeed, and and they organize globally. Uh, to make and produce things according to a different logic, uh, but also politically. Um, so I'm working, for example, with uh, assemblies of the commons. You know, there's about nine of them in France. We have the European Assembly of the Commons. Uh, we now have projects. Uh, you know, when I say we, I'm not claiming I'm doing this, right? I, sure. I'm an observer, so I, I feel part of this movement. Yep. So people are doing this in the Netherlands, in Finland, in Germany. Um, there is a Commons Transition Coalition in Melbourne, mm-hmm. you know, which has ambitions for Australia as a whole, not just for the city of Melbourne. Um, so you know, there's these stirrings of of movements that want to give a political uh, expression to to the desire for the Commons. You, you mentioned the. A different logic and I'm, I'm interested I guess in you know the the underlying psychology and I guess the the values that are expressed in in you know in your work or in, in, in this 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 emergence of uh, of uh, peer-to-peer and commons oriented you know work I'm interested in the, this this I guess chicken and the egg kind of question in a way you know like how much do we? Is there a shift in psychology or consciousness that's that's needed, and is kind of a first step, or is is the emergence of the, more of a structural level help create a better culture psychology? Right. Well, 
Um, maybe first I'd like to explain, you know, what I mean with the value logic, right? So the example I like to give is three nurses. You have a nurse that works uh, in India with the, um, you know, the Mother Teresa community, and she's funded by her community. She doesn't get a wage. Uh, then you have a public sector nurse, um, and you have a, a nurse in a private hospital. According to our value system today, we, we consider that uh, the first one is value neutral. She is not costing anything to society uh, and she, you know, she's not shown in GDP. The second one is considered a burden uh, because we think that the value is created um, in the market and therefore what we spend on the government is considered a cost. And only the third one creates you know, value for her shareholders. So these are three people doing the same thing, but we judge them very differently. Mm. Uh, and this is what we call a value regime. So w what we see today is that, uh, and this is what peer-to-peer -peer is about, so this kind of technological capacity, this is you know, important that people can do things that they couldn't do before. So technological capacity mm -hmm. for people to communicate, organize themselves, but also create value in a different way. Um, and instead of the, the, to focus on the market function, uh, they, they tend to focus on sharing resources, so mutualizing productive knowledge. So what we call commons-based peer production is, is this capacity for people to you know, create global open design communities and then create livelihoods around them. And, and you know, these take market forms, but they're quite different than what we know today because they're uh, there's something we call generative, right? The so I don't know if you're familiar with Inspiral. So the, the capacity, so it's it's a coalition of 18 social entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial organizations. Yeah. Uh, it's run by a co-op called Inspiral Foundation, but they all concerned with solving social issues and sustaining their community, right? So it's a generative approach. Like if you have eco-agriculture, your soil improves every year. If you have industrial agriculture, your soil uh, gets poorer every year, right? So this, this, this shift from an extractive model to a generative model, I think, is the key. But the form it takes is, is, this, uh, is this orientation around the commons. Right, from a market-oriented to a commons-oriented society. Okay, so we had some pretty, uh, I guess, striking footage of this chap, Richard Spencer, who's um, this uh, emerging, so to speak, neo-fascist, kind of being attacked in a pretty dramatic kind of way. Uh, struck by you know one of these black bloc kind of protesters in in uh, in Washington, the question is around just conflict. You know, how do we deal with I guess the the larger forces that are at play? I guess for me, it's the question of what is a priority. Mm. So you have uh, you have to choose between uh, you know the right balance between constructive prefigurative activities and and resistance and conflict. And there's no way you can avoid doing either of them. Um, but, you know, what I would argue is that if you focus on the conflict, uh, you're not really offering solutions, right? So it's very important at the same time yeah. that you build and construct things that are examples, exemplars for other people to follow. Um, and of course, you know, regarding to your picture, to your example, 
the other thing that is important is also how you know other people will react to your tactics. Um, so you know, apart from the morals of whether it's right or wrong to to attack someone, um, you you also have to think about how the broader mass of the people, and especially your enemies who control, you know, the media will um, will represent your action. Uh, but that, you know, that doesn't imply that when you construct something that other people will not, you know, want to destroy it or weaken it. And then, of course, that always involves conflict and resistance. So when you touched on my final question for you there as well is is the the media and in, in this time of uh, you know f- fake news as 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 the Trumpites would are framing it you know what's what, what do you see is the responsibility of independent uh, journalists in I guess telling the story and providing a platform for an emergence uh, like the peer to peer. Well, I'm you know I'm a bit skeptical about the capacity to reform you know mass media. Because you know we we've had 30, 40 years of neoliberalization and, and corporatization of the of media ownership. Um, so I think the focus should be on you know creating new media. Um, and uh, you know, good for example, a good example for me is still Democracy Now, you know, which which was started independently, autonomously over you know local radio, pirate radio. Um, and eventually became, you know, strong enough to to almost become a national media. media. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things we do at the P2P Foundation is, you know, we're creators. So we, we of course, you know, I, I fully support uh, coalitions of investigative journalists who do crowdfunding and, cre- and you know, create original reporting. Uh, that's very important. I think that's something that, that is very necessary right now. But what we're doing is creating forums where, you know, we can have qualitative exchange. Yeah. So we select good material and we keep an ethic of discourse where, you know, uh, people can disagree, but they can never um, engage in personal attacks, for example, right? And so, and, and so you need moderators who keep kind of the, the social agreement uh, and pluralism, but within a, uh, an environment of quality, and and so I think this is the way to go: is is to create more and more of these uh, independent uh, sources.